0: right welcome everyone to another episode of the underdog physician podcast today we have an awesome guest on our podcast to talk on an important topic most of our underdog imgs stumble upon when they're applying for residency uh, and that is like how to go about with research publications to improve your cv and today we have dr jia ung who is a board certified nephrologist Uh, at an NIH-funded clinical and the NIH-funded clinical researcher at the Zucker School of Medicine uh, at Hofstra Northwell. She's also the founder of Published MD where she coaches clinicians on how to publish research papers and achieve their academic goals without the overwhelm. So welcome Dr. Ong.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Vidya. You can actually call me Dr. Jia. It's it's much easier for you.
0: Uh, thank you. So, uh, explain uh, to our listeners your underdog physician story. So, what, where did you come from, and uh, and like to where you are right now? Oh, absolutely. So,
1: I'm originally from Malaysia, and um, I did my uh, medical school actually at a twinning program. Half of it in Malaysia and half of it in Ireland, um, Dublin. And so after I finished my uh, medical training, I did my internship in Malaysia for about two and a half years and did my step one and step two, actually all all the steps before coming into um, uh, doing residency in the US. And my first, um, and to add a bit of story about my struggles, um, I had a poor step one score, you know, um, low 200s and when my first time i tried to match i did not match uh to any program so i was about to give up but i decided you know i put so much effort in it and decided i'll just try one more time and so this time around um i made sure i completed all the steps i included step three made sure i get a good score in step three as well step two three as well and um once we got to was very happy about that match into um, an internal medicine program
0: and i'm sure a lot of our listeners would uh, relate to that point especially uh some people start the journey and they are kind of feel like they're stuck with uh this course and they kind of are afraid to pursue the further journey and this would be so much important for them to listen in your words where you have already gone through the process so
1: right especially sometimes you 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 don't know what, um, what opportunities can open up. Like the first one I did not match, but the programs I found were, um, some were H1, some were only J1, but the, the, the second time where I tried to match, I matched each one B program. And so that kind of opened up the door for a green card and things like that. So you never really know, um, even though the first time you fail, it could be a path to something better.
0: Mm-hmm. And many people dejected with that failure. So what helped you kind of move on with improving your scores and like, and work more even harder to get to even a better spot?
1: Uh, there were a few things. First is um, I, I had a dream of coming to the U.S. because I, I, I want to learn medicine right away because I was um, at that time, I was uh, serving in an um, underserved uh, location and the medicine wasn't truly evidence-based. We just did, it feels like, like cowboys, you know, you, you mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do and then you don't have any imaging, you you just do what with the resources. And I wanted to learn, um, go to a place where I can practice medicine properly. And I, I had thoughts of perhaps doing research at, but at that time, it was not fully formed yet. But I, I, thought if I went to the US, I would have uh, bigger opportunities to to achieve bigger things, and that was the goal. And then the second thing is actually um, family support. My my spouse, my husband, was very supportive, and he he knew me for a few years before I did my uh, when I was studying for my exam. And he's like, "But you've worked so hard for three years, and just because of one match and you want to give up, and so he, why don't you just try again?" and so so i took that advice and I, did, I tried
0: one more time and that is important to have that support system to help you in the right direction when you're uh, self-doubting if you can go on that right. journey right right yeah. Absolutely. so after that so you got into im residency and now you're doing all this important things for other physicians like with published md so tell Take us more on that journey. What led to that? Okay,
1: so after, so during residency and I I had, when I first started residency, I had a shock because I was trained in Malaysia for three and a half years. I did an internship for two years. So I thought coming to the US, it will be easy. And everything, everything is hard. You know, the way we, they see patients different, the way they manage patients different. Each patient, you know, you don't spend 10 minutes on. Patient, mm-hmm. Or five minutes when patient. You, you spend a whole hour talking about every part of his system
0: mm-hmm.
1: and managing the patient in a whole way. You talk about uh, social issues. You talk about rehab. In the past, we never care about things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling at the beginning, and so I worked really hard to work, try to to be able to round efficiently. And because of that, I I, I was eventually uh, doing really well during residency and was elected to be chief resident. And each time when you level up, I wanted more. And so um, I was really interested in nephrology and I um, applied to nephrology and I wanted to uh, do research. So I chose a program where I could do a master's in clinical um, epidemiology at the same time. And I was um, very fortunate and very happy that I got matched into UPenn, one of the top um, nephrology programs um, in the U.S. In,
0: and yeah and dr gia even that is competitive to get into a program like upenn right and especially going through the rigors of learning a new system and trying to do what all that you did um what were some of the things that you felt you knew, knew, you knew before getting into or applying for residency or um and what could have made your journey even more simpler and more easier on uh, in the sense of how much work or effort that you needed to put into that?
1: So I would say um, sometimes strategy is more than hard work. Absolutely hard work is important, but strategy is really important because you, you need to know if you go to a fellowship program um, what you need to get to the best place. So I knew with my scores, I knew with my um my record, publication record, um, I knew that cardiology was for me. You know, I, I wouldn't match unless I, I I started publishing a lot more. Um, and part of me also really liked the phylogy, and the at that time wasn't very competitive. So I kind of leveraged what I was really good at, that I had chief resident, I was resident here for three years in a row, I, I had great letters, I um, also had networking with other people, and and I also did a rotation with him as an elective. so I had people in that university who could write a letter for me mm-hmm. so sometimes it's what a strategy this, this, be, be smart on how do you uh, connect with important people key important people so that they can write good letters for you and then they get to see how you are and get to see how you work if not because of my my, my time there and uh, uh, doing the elective during uh, residency I don't think they would even think about me because UPenn uh, is very competitive, and they may look at the score and, and, and discard me even. But because I had some relationship early, so they gave me a chance to even consider with the interview.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is excellent. And uh, and you were telling about like how you worked on research and all that. So is it common to like do research as like in medical school in Malaysia? Is that something they teach you in? medical school or is that something that you learned on your own?
1: Right. No, not at all. I had no concept of research until uh, during residency. And even then it was, it's not true research. It was QI projects or, or they call it quality improvement projects where the program director um, was really good. And he, he made sure we had groups like third, third year, second year, first years, we go into pods and then each time, each uh each year the second year will be leading the project and then the first and third year will be part of the project and so at the end of uh, three years you will have multiple small little projects under your belt and some may be published but most of them are not Uh, but at least we were able to come up with a project uh, learn the process of it and also have an abstract to be submitted to different conferences Mm -hmm. so those were kind of the seed that was planted in me during residency. That's why I decided to pursue research.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, uh, so how was fellowship, um, especially, was it even easier compared to like residency or was it different uh, having come into a subspecialty and what were some of the things that kind of helped you grow as a better physician during the process?
1: Right, fellowship. Um, fellowship was really hard for me, actually, because um, I start I started my fellowship with a two and a half year old boy and also a six month old baby.
0: Oh boy, that must be hard! <laughs> I have a one, two and a half year old, and I'm like upside down. <laughs> right,
1: and and yeah, I, I was nursing, I was traveling because uh, I live in the suburb and travel all the way to the city. So that was really hard. The the lack of sleep made me. Um, made me struggle in terms of efficiency. I just couldn't think that fast and couldn't do work as efficiently. And so always felt like I was the worst fellow in the class. And, and it, it is a big class, seven in each year, so we have 14 fellows. And so it, it felt terrible. Um, but you know, the program director was supportive, the attendants were supportive. They saw that I was actually sleep deprived told me, gave me an instruction to, uh, to take some time off, like two weeks, don't come in, just go rest wow. and, yeah and, and that really just having the, the the support that knowing somebody's watching out for me made me decide to rest and sleep and, it, and it, surprisingly after resting the, the clarity comes and so I realized that I should not be working uh, uh, cutting down on my sleep just to be just to finish the work instead I should be focusing on the sleep first that everything will uh, will come back.
0: Yeah, and with fellowship. So, did you uh, uh, kind of decide on pursue an academic career because of your interest in research, or was that the major driver in force? And- right.
1: Um, I, I I took the research track, and um, in the masters, you learn the whole um, methods in conducting research, and um, and of course at that, that time I. I wanted to get grants. I wanted to do more research, but because it, you know, I had trouble publishing, I thought I thought I wasn't going to get into any academic position anymore. So even during interview, I was doing both private practice uh, jobs and also academic jobs. So at, at that time, it was hard. But um, my current institution they took a chance on on me and. Uh, decided to bring me in as a researcher, an academic uh, clinician. So, here is when I really changed in terms of not just the research part, but actually publishing the paper. Because doing a research and not publishing a paper is like wasting, you know, Yet you wasted three years and there's nothing to show for. It was the point. Mm-hmm. So, it was the last piece that actually was the most important for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And with the publications, so one of the common things um, that I struggle when I was trying to apply for residency on getting published or and even like during residency for fellowship having publications is, okay, like case reports are one way to begin with. And, but these days it's all like you pay for uh, getting the case report published, unless like it's a real good case report and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other things that were also, uh, uh, something that was keeping me from publishing was not knowing how to and uh, there is so much information out there about like uh, basics of research and all that but it's not applicable when you're trying to use that in a limited time frame where you need to get things especially with application cycle and all that so what are some of the things that you found helpful like in your journey with getting published and
1: right publication cycle is really slow so um reviews unless it's a quick rejection if it goes through the first review if, if you're good enough even the journals if the journal editor says okay it's good enough to even move forward to the review process that will take take three months to four months sometimes six months and so you actually have to plan ahead of time to to know if I want to apply for residency at this time, I need to be working on this at least two years before. Why two years? Is because it takes time for you to get even the first one. And it's a learning process. It, you'll get faster after a while, but usually I would recommend starting earlier, um, pair with somebody who has experienced before so that you are you don't need to be the first author at least you join them to see oh what needs to be done how do you navigate it how do you even write the paper because Mm -hmm. these are all completely new skills that are not taught. not even in medical school not in residency not even when i was doing my masters Mm -hmm. so they teach research but they don't really teach the academic writing
0: Mm -hmm. and how do people like say Like people training in india for med school or malaysia how do they uh kind of uh ask or get the help like to tag along with other researchers who are already doing the research and be like uh, help them with their project and get othership and what would be a good way to approach them because uh, it feels like intruding into somebody else's work and uh, Mm -hmm. asking for help is like a so foreign concept especially uh, because of various cultural backgrounds you know, think yeah. out oh you need to sort it out and maybe you need to do the project from beginning to the end and all those mindset thing that goes into so what would be oh uh, so i have two recommendations number one
1: is always leverage your own networks so if you you know if, if we if you're india you would have seniors who have uh who have successfully gone to the u.s then you want to reach out to them so, so and, and don't wait until you need help, you know, early it's like, oh, I want to get some advice. So early on, you need to start building a network with your seniors. At least, um, uh, let's say you're in India, then you get the seniors. So for me, I also have um, certain communities who, who are Malaysian, who are also in the U.S. So that is also a, another network. So use that first, and then you can reach out and say, oh, I, I want to... Uh, do a pro- research project, and is there anybody I can work with? Uh, because I want to learn how to do it. But if you're only asking that for, for that opportunity, you need to bring some value to it. Mm-hmm. So, how do you bring the value? So, I would recommend if you have no uh, background in research, I want you to start looking and, and read uh, research papers. So, to understand the style, how, how, how things are even written. Okay. And then um, if you're a junior, you're probably not good in the first draft. So you can probably help by uh, doing editing, maybe you can help by formatting tables, you can help by looking at references, you can help by doing literature review. So these are all the things that are very tedious and take time consuming, but will be very valuable to the, uh, to the primary researcher or the person who's writing, even a case report or a simple uh, cross-sectional study.
0: And what are some good places to get some education on these important skills where it doesn't uh, take a whole lot of time for people wanting to learn, but they can learn, uh, so, not getting overwhelmed?
1: Right, Th- that's the reason why I started my YouTube channel because I feel like when I started, I did not know where to go. Um, I poured I myself into many, many books and um, not just academic writing books, but the non-fiction writing, like that's non-academic. I also looked into, uh, I took courses, I took, uh, I got uh, coaches. And so I distilled all of that into the YouTube videos because kind of coming from an IMG standpoint, like, okay, this is what we never knew. And what's interesting is also that even though I came from the IMG standpoint, a lot of uh, Americans also, oh, we never, we were never taught these things
0: mm-hmm. so so
1: i i, I want the, the channel to be as valuable to anybody yeah. as, um, as possible
0: and we'll definitely be sharing a link to the channel in the description towards the end of the uh, podcast uh, and dr Gia, so uh, i kind of asked this question so that we can get some pearls out to the listeners but i'm interested in knowing your journey where you went on to like serious academic writing after fellowship. So what went on, like what inspired you to consider academic writing? Because that's one of the, uh, at least from my perspective, though I'm an introvert, I like all the reading and writing things, but academic writing is something that I dread about and it's not something I get to uh, have myself like it, so. Right,
1: so uh, this is my philosophy in life, you do not what you like, you do what you need. So we we always told, oh, follow your passion, do only what you like. That's not good advice personally, because if you want to be successful in academia and you need to publish paper and you're weak at academic writing, you need to work whatever you need to do, you need to be good at it so that you can publish paper because that is the goal. And so, I, I went with that attitude and so I was I was terrible. At it. As I said, I had zero publications when I came out from residents, uh, from fellowship. And so I I did exercise. Writing exercise, I did drills, I was doing copy work every day. I was doing I was approaching academic writing like as if I was doing a basketball drill. You know? mm-hmm. Every day I, I do how many papers I read, I, I kind of tease out what is good, what is not good. So it was an actual uh, curriculum i created by myself um, after looking at all the different uh, books and courses and so if you practice and then suddenly you start getting better at it and good and then once you're good you start liking it mm-hmm. so so if you're good you you start liking it so you have to like work hard enough to get from terrible to good enough to be great then it will start feeding you. um uh, that that's my general advice how not not just
0: going to do things that you like but actually doing things that you actually need to achieve a goal that's a very valuable piece of advice because everywhere you're so bombarded with okay do what you like and that's kind of at the end it doesn't give you the result that you're looking for Um, and that's so valuable that's such an eye-opener it's a very contrarian um,
1: uh, advice but I I think even talking to all my mentors and to successful people, they always do things that are out of their comfort zone. And once you do that, you will somehow meet the challenge. When you meet the challenge, you will like it. And then now, you cannot stop it. You need to open up, you need to get yourself into the next level of discomfort. So you Mm -hmm. actually almost have to be living in discomfort. Mm-hmm. forever in order to achieve big things if not you will if, if your plan is to just kind of coast through you will be coasting through because mm-hmm. every if everybody is fighting to to achievement coasting through means you're actually declining so you have mm-hmm. to think about it that way
0: absolutely and so you had systems in place like you were doing this daily drill of writing and participating in workshops and that was still a time period when you're still learning how to be good at it So there might be moments of uh, times where you might consider like, okay, this is not for me. I would rather quit. Though you had your goal in mind clear that you want to be good at academic writing to get to where you are at. So what are some of the things that helped you be consistent and be able to uh, get to like academic writing by becoming good at it? Um, So the two Two tricks that I would recommend. Um,
1: one is ha- have a baseline of where you are. I, I what I did initially was uh, write down my gaps. You know, the whole list of the things I'm not good at. And then every month, what you want to do is say what I have improved, and you celebrate your goals. And then when you 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 when you uh, at the end of the month, I was like, okay, this is what I've learned this month. This is what I've achieved this month. Then you can compare. A month ago wow I've moved on and then the next one you, you do more and and then um, sometimes what I like to do after six months I look at my original six months ago gap, uh, yeah. or I can I will look back at my full manuscript then when I see the big difference then I like oh this is perfect I've, I've done so much so that will keep the motivation going that's
0: absolutely true and most of the times as physicians we are so focused on just moving on to the next thing after the other without taking the time to celebrate what we are doing so that's an important thing to stop and evaluate where you are and use that to give you the momentum right yes yes
1: absolutely yeah
0: and so what uh, inspired you to create this platform for other physicians Uh, uh, it's one thing. Liking something and doing it, and it's another thing trying to help our other physicians,
1: <laughs> right? And, and putting myself on YouTube, know It was
0: I, I'm also an introvert, uh, so uh,
1: at first talking about starting YouTube was challenging. But um, sometimes I, I was what I was thinking about is um, I went to research with the goal of uh, helping more patients. So if I when I see a patient, I only help one on one. And so my impact is small.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and not small, it's just that it's, it's not, it doesn't cover as many people. So mm-hmm. I wanted to do, do research to help more. But even that, maybe one paper can help a hundred or maybe a thousand patients. And to me, that's not enough. I, I want to help a million patients. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted bigger impact and and I was thinking if I can help a thousand, a thousand clinicians or a thousand researchers publish a paper. I'm indirectly helping. It's, go, it's going to be a multiplier, mm-hmm. and so I'm indirectly helping like tens and hundreds of thousands of patients. So, so that's kind of my big goal, and how I started this journey.
0: Wow, that is like a mind-blowing way of thinking at the impact that you can create through people that you impact. Wow, that's amazing and it's one of the most common reasons why people from other countries uh decide on pursuing residence in the u.s being able to participate in research but more often than not uh, like they kind of get discouraged and they don't pursue that journey and you're an amazing uh, 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 you have an amazing story that inspires people who are considering it but not able to pursue uh so what are some of the things that you would recommend for like say uh, foreign medical graduates to get started on publications uh, so they might not be able to like participate in like say two or three years long like basic science research or something right with all the time deadlines they have for getting scores and U.S. clinical experience among all the other things so what are your recommendations?
1: My my recommendation is yeah don't, don't do primary research project um, it, it's probably you won't have access. If you can, you can do a simple survey. You know, you create a survey, and or you use uh, a, a validated survey instrument. That means uh, somebody created the survey already and has been used widely. You can use that survey, but you test it in your own um, in in your own population. So that is one type of uh, research you can do that is quick, uh, but. If there's too many things, then maybe you just want to do, write a case report and um, perhaps join other researchers who are your know, friends, but who have gone to the US. So that's the best way where you can collaborate and work on a project together. This is difficult to write a research project. Um, I mean, even any research papers, you, you, you rarely see only one author, it's usually a group of authors because uh, research is a group sport, not a solo endeavor. So think about it that way. Don't think that you need to work on it alone. You actually need to find somebody and um, find somebody who has a project and you meet up with them, talk to them, bring value to them. And um, that's the way you get started. Usually the first one is the most difficult. Once you get a hang of it, the next one you learn new skills. Like for example, the first one, Sometimes it's just knowing the navigation, how, how to do things. Then the second one is more, oh, you want to be more involved in the writing or the editing. So each project you take, you want to be learning a new skill. Mm-hmm. So that's how I recommend you because doing one whole project is able to do more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that gives and reaps more benefits if you put this in practice than just here and let it sit in your brain space and not act on it. All right. Uh, so, what are some of the simple uh, steps that uh, they can break this uh, long process into that they can like act on it and still get some meaningful results when they are still in the process of figuring out things? Hmm. Um, if you have no, if you have no um, experience
1: in research at all, actually, I have a blueprint that I've created. Uh, it's called Idea to Paper Blueprint. It, it may be too too much to do from start to the end, but at least if you uh, download that, you can actually know what are the steps that we actually need. First, you need a research question. What is a research question? How do you develop it? And, and then it's more data collection. The data co- collection, how do you write it? So I have one uh, PDF that... Um, Anybody can download, but you just have to put in an email address. Um, That is one way to kind of look where you are in the path. Somebody may have a research project already, they just need the end part, then that's fine too. Um, If you're really in a time crunch, don't don't bother doing a new project. Just write a case report Mm -hmm. and and knowing how to write an introduction and a discussion. uh, Usually that's the part, the middle part is just the case. You just need to write out the case, find a good picture, um, you have a group of people who write with you so that you can edit your work. I think that's the easiest way to go. Um, one final point. Um, I, I know if IMGs, they typically say, oh, it's expensive to uh, publish paper. I would say a big grand scheme of thing, if you can get into the US system, I think it's worth it. Sometimes I pay money just to get access to people. I pay money to get access to the network. Um, if, if you are able to get like one or two publication, and maybe a group of you can join and so that the, the, the money is is spread around i i think it's worth it um, because it will really elevate your application to a different level
0: yeah and that's such a valuable piece of advice dr jia because we kind of don't consider what we are putting in as an investment and we just if we look at it as an expense we're not gonna see what we are gonna get with um Getting to where we need to go, and all the help that is you know needed along the way.
1: Right, absolutely. Like what you say, investment. What's the return on investment? Mm-hmm. Let's say it's like a nine hundred U.S. dollar. I don't know what, it, uh, what the exchange rate is, but nine hundred U.S. dollar gets you a U.S. residency program, and then eventually you become an attending, and then your salary will be much better, much much bigger. So mm-hmm. if you think through all the way, is it worth it? And it's probably worth it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and so wait, what is the last piece of advice you would give IMGs who feel like they're stuck in the process and they are like kind of a feeling like lost uh, or, in, uh, and if they want to do uh, better with the whole process, what is that piece of advice from your experience?
1: My, so my experience is actually, you have to be very organized um, in your paperwork. I, I don't know, I feel like that's really important. Um, knowing your deadlines. You, you have to be a very good planner and know your all your deadlines and reverse engineer it. Because my first mistake was um, underestimating how much time it took for the ECFMG certification, underestimating how much time it took for medical transcript to be verified. So really, you have to know your all your deadlines, plan your plan your um, application cycle really properly so you are not late in your um, application. You, what you want is as soon as it is open, you just hit submit because all your paperwork is ready. Because that's when people like quickly look at the um, they start sending out interview. If you send out your your application a month later, even though it's not closed yet, people would have already um, sent out the uh, the interview calls by then it's too late so they say sorry we're out of space so the paperwork is really
0: important mm-hmm. uh, and one last question before we end this awesome interview dr jia is uh, do you also work with um uh, uh, medical students and graduates who are not residents and physicians yet or is it only for physicians that you good work question
1: with? so i i work with um biomedical researchers so anybody with biomedical uh, background researcher, it could be graduate students or not, um, clinicians. And when I call clinicians, I'm talking about medical students as well because they mm-hmm. are working towards becoming a clinician. So, yes, across the for,
0: board. And thanks for clarifying that. So, where can people find you?
1: So, I would say um, I, uh, the best way actually is just goes to my YouTube video because I want your first experience with me is. Um, to getting value, not just an email address. So check out my YouTube channel. Um, it's called Published MB. And um so I have uh I, I just started about a few months ago and I've been consistently having once a week. And so you will have like, quite a few videos on some are on navigation, some are on academic writing. Um, this last this whole week I've been doing live streams as part of a challenge. So that is more on improving your academic writing. So go check that out as well.
0: And this is awesome. And hope in the future, you also come up with some challenges for uh, like writing and like the way you had systems in place so that people can use that momentum to get some of their pending goals done. It was so nice talking to you, Dr. Jia, and thank you for coming on on our podcast and uh, and for sharing all the valuable insights with our listeners. Appreciate it.
1: And I want to thank you so much for doing this because what you're doing is so valuable for IMGs because um, it, it is difficult, and having a resource like what you're doing is is so valuable for um, all the medical students who want to come here.
0: Thank, thank you. you.